But when we say the Lord's Prayer, we are talking about the most revolutionary prayer in the history of man. And I'm not, that's just not hyperbole. Uh, it, it, is, it is reality. Um, there is, there, when this prayer was offered and taught by Jesus, he came at a time, he came, God in human flesh, at a time when people were asking the question, how do we relate to this God? And many people outside of even the Jewish community were asking the question, are the gods angry? When there's famine, the gods are angry. When there's war, the gods are angry. And, and so Jesus comes and he, and he steps and walks among us, God in flesh, and he says, no, in fact, God, me, I myself, am not angry. This is how you should pray to God. Our Father, your intimate Father, who art in heaven, who is in heaven, and yet at the same time, there, talking with them, interacting on earth. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Last week, we talked about give us today our daily bread. We talked about the, how God just loves to provide for us daily. He loves to ask us the question, do you trust me? And today, we're talking about forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. But of this Lord's Prayer, I want you to see this quote that Daryl Johnson says. He says, to pray the Lord's Prayer is to participate in heaven's invasion of earth. To pray the Lord's Prayer is to participate in heaven invading earth. And so we continue that this morning as we talk about forgive us our debts. And I know that this idea of forgiveness is, is a tricky one. It can be a tough one. And we live in a culture that says, and maybe some of us say the same thing, yeah, but... You don't know. You don't know what's happened to me. You don't know what I have been through. You don't know what they did to me. And I get that. I get that. And, we, and all around us, people are saying, uh, there are certain things, yeah, forgiveness is probably a good idea, but there are certain things that are unforgivable. I, I've heard that two times this week. That was unforgivable. That maybe there are certain offensive, certain, atro certain atrocities that should not be forgiven because the cost was too high, because the price paid was too severe. And, and so we think, I, I'm justified in my pain because of my hurt. Or maybe they aren't even sorry. Why would I forgive them if they're not even asking for my forgiveness? They have to feel it. There's some sense of justice here, some sense of fairness, that the right thing, maybe retribution should be had. In this instance, maybe not in these instances, but in this instance, the stakes are certainly higher. But there's, there's, a, there's a high price to be paid when we, don't, when we don't forgive. A lack of forgiveness will torture our mind, and it constricts our heart, and it makes us unhealthy. I found an article. There's, there's been research done by numerous universities. I saw them in San Diego, Harvard, Emory, that have done research on the health of how, how unforgiveness affects our health. And I found this article in a San Diego newspaper. It's from 2008. It says, the title is The Healing Power of Forgiveness. I just want to read you a little excerpt of this article. Paul, Paul Livingston doesn't look like a victim. At six foot seven and 330 pounds, he's big enough to play offensive tackle for the San Diego Chargers. That's an NFL football team if you weren't sure. Um, <laughs> down in San Diego. Cojones. Big fans, big fans. 36 years ago, when this guy named Paul was only six years old, he became prey for, the pedophile for a pedophile custodian at a Catholic school in Orange County. 
Last summer, so four years ago, his lawsuit was one of more than 500 claims in a record $66 million settlement with the Roman Catholic Archdiocese of Los Angeles. Then in May, he took another step toward healing. It says, during a week-long program at a private institute near Napa, this Paul Livingston forgave his now-dead abuser. This is a quote. When I first heard forgiveness, I could not imagine forgiving someone for doing such heinous acts to children. I thought it would be letting him off the hook, says Livingston, who now lives in San Diego. Boy, have I been taught a lesson in life, he says. Forgiveness is not about letting them off the hook. It's about continuing on with my own journey. It frees up our soul in a way when you let go of that anger. He says that he can feel the difference. His acid reflux is gone. Physical, a physical outplaying of this unforgiveness. His acid reflux is gone. He stopped yelling at his daughter. Livingston has discovered what science has been saying for years, that forgiveness is literally good for you. So I ask, if science has been saying that for years, how much longer the God who designed us, who gives reason to science, what if, what if there were a better way? What if there were more for our lives than hanging on to past pain and hurt and resentment? As I was preparing this message this week, there's a guy on staff at Irvine who works in this outreach department with Chris. And I heard his story. And uh, his name's Gerardo. He couldn't be with us this morning, so I asked him to put it on video. I've known Gerardo a long time. My dad hired him his first job on Young Life staff in San Pedro, California. And, uh, and it was about the same time that Gerardo was going through, through this. So we wanted to play you this, this video. Listen to Gerardo's story of forgiveness. I was 10 years old when my dad um, left. Although my dad had left uh, many times before that uh, for brief periods, I knew that this time was different. I knew that that fight that my mom and my dad had the night before was different. Uh, I knew there was something different about that morning. I remember sitting at, uh, on my couch with uh, eating breakfast with my older brother. And I remember looking over to him and uh, asking him the question, he's not coming back, is he? And I remember my older brother looking back at me saying, just shaking his head saying no. And I knew that our life was going to be different. My younger brother was a teenager when he first, um, when he got this desire to want to meet our dad. He was the only one who had never been face to face. He was a he was a baby when my dad left, so he started working with my uncles and, and did his own little investigation work, what a teenager could do. But somehow, I, I believe through God's will, was able to find out this little town that my dad was in. My father was a mechanic, and so we called this little auto shop in that city, in the little town. And, um, and sure enough, the, the, the owner answers the phone and he says, yes, your dad, used to, your dad worked here for some time and, and he doesn't work here anymore. Uh, but if you call back tomorrow afternoon, uh, I'll be sure that he's here so you can take your phone call. Uh, he calls the next afternoon and he calls and, and uh, to all of our surprise, uh, my dad answers the phone and uh, they have this conversation. It was, it was brief, um, but, um, but we heard the news that my dad had been sober for almost a year. And my brother wanted to meet him, so he, he said, come up to, to TJ, because he couldn't cross the border legally, so he come come to TJ and we'll go across and see you. And, um, and he agreed, so they set, they set up this date, this whole thing, and for them to meet up. And So we went down and we met him, and it was such an interesting time. We, 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 we picked him up, um, 
at a bus station and ended up sitting down having dinner and it was a real surreal time. And as he sat next to my mom and we asked our dad, so where have you been? What's, what's the story? What's going on? And he, he starts telling us about where he's been and, and what life has been like and, and um, talking about how, how, how dark uh, his days have been, um, how, how he's regretted every day of his life, um, the decisions that he's made. And he, and he understands the pain that he caused. And, and that pain just drew him further and further into his, his drug abuse, into his alcohol abuse. And, and it, was, it was interesting to see his posture as he, um, as he was so big, as he was telling his story of like redemption and where he's come from and the darkness and understanding the pain that he caused and to then hearing about where we were and see him hunching over and the reason of seeing that and saying, but in spite of all this, Dad, in spite of all this stuff, that, that, that your story and our story, we're so good, to, so good to see you. And we just want to tell you we forgive you. I thought that forgiveness was about just releasing somebody else um, making it okay for them, for the pain that someone else caused you, saying that it's okay, you've been released from it. Um, and the biggest learning um, that I had, uh, the biggest thing that I learned was that, yes, it's true, my dad um, appreciated the gift of being released from those things, from me saying, I forgive you. Um, but the truth is, I'm the one who needed to be released. I needed to be released from um, the anger, the sadness, the resentment that I held for a very long time that inhibited the way that I lived, um, that inhibited the way that I loved. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. The word forgiveness is atheame. That's the word that's used there, atheame, and it literally means to send away to release. So we, the, a definition you can use for forgiveness is to send away the wrong or to release the offense. Now, here's what we're not saying. We're not saying that by sending away, by releasing, by forgiving, that we're in denial that the thing happened. Okay, we're not saying that it's okay. We're not, we're not giving permission for an individual to continue to hurt us that way. That's, that's not what we're saying. But we are saying that we're, not, we're no longer going to dwell on that anger. We are not going to seek any kind of revenge or retribution. Uh, instead, we are going to let it go. We are going to release the offense. And in doing so, as Gerardo said, release the grip, the bitterness and resentment has on us. Right? And it's easy to say until you're on the other side of it, right? It's easy to say that's a good idea and to praise Gerardo for doing that even though his dad bailed on him when he was a kid until it's you that goes through deep pain. And it was easy for me to say too. But I guess it was six or so years ago now, I went through a divorce. And it was my ex-wife who made the decision to go through with that. And I had never known pain <laughs> until then. I mean, it was such deep hurt, and I was upside down and didn't know what to do with my life. I was, I was a, you know, had been a pastor at Saddleback and was the youngest uh, person other than Rick that they had ever licensed as a pastor there, and I was trying to start my own, or, all this stuff, right? And then now my life is like this, and I was so caught in this mix of bitterness, resentment, anger, frustration at her, but also at God. Why would you let this happen? I was, I'm trying to live for you. I'm trying to work for you and do these things. Why would you 
let this happen. And so I have had to walk through this in a very real way in my life. And I know when you see and when we talk about the idea of forgiveness, it's a great idea in theory, but when the rubber meets the road, it is not easy. And there are two types of forgiveness that I want to help us to think about. There's the deep forgiveness that we've been talking about so far, this, this deep offense, this deep hurt, this pain, the, the big stuff, the, the betrayals, right? The abuses, the disloyalty. There's, there's those deep things that we need to forgive or they will eat us alive. And then there are also the daily, the daily forgiveness. Okay, the moment by moment at the office when it's just, when it's the annoying person who keeps doing that thing and you've talked to them about it, but they keep doing it. Or it's the spouse who knows that this gets on your nerves, but they keep on, you know, it's, it's almost like it's just nowhere in their mind. Like they have that gene that prevents them from closing the cabinet doors, right? Or from putting two matching socks together and rolling them, right? There's these, there's these little things Nothing personal from my own experience. But there's, there, there are these daily offenses, smaller things, and there are these deeper things. And we live with both. And oftentimes, you can look at some of the daily things and see that they connect back to the deeper ones. And so it's getting to the root of that issue. I just want you, if you, if you have your outline pulled out for a second, follow along with me in general. But in this moment, there's... Look at that little, that little T-chart there. If you have a pen, just write down. What, what is it for you? What are you sensing? You may not even want to acknowledge it, but, but, but do acknowledge it. What are the deep things that need forgiveness in your own heart? And then what are the daily things, the nagging things, the reoccurring things that are stealing your joy and peace and contentment in day-to-day life? What are those things? Write those things down. Because right after Jesus talks about how to pray, he says in Matthew 6, 14 to 15, he says, For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you don't forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. So he raises the stakes. There's, there's some interesting relationship between receiving forgiveness from him and extending forgiveness to others. Now, here's a little forgiveness test. If you're sitting and you're thinking, well, I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe I've forgiven this person. Maybe I think I've dealt with this. Here's a test. If you find yourself having arguments in your head for when you next encounter this person, there might be an area of unforgiveness there to be addressed. If you're in the shower and you are thinking, oh, I wish I would have thought of that when I was with them. That's a zinger. I, you know, I, I wish I could have gotten them with that if I was just more witty. Uh, I would be more prepared next time. And you're thinking through your agenda for the next time you can really you can face off and you have the opportunity. If that's the case, if, if you're in that place, there, there's an area of unforgiveness that you need to address. And I, I hope that you do that this morning. Here's another way. This is tough. You know that you have really forgiven somebody. If you can say, God, I forgive them, and I want you to bless them. It's the blessed test. Can you ask for God's blessing on this person? 
can you ask for him to do good by this person? If you can, you have genuinely forgiven them. Now, maybe you're still thinking, yeah, but uh, you, you, don't, you don't really get my situation. I, I, we're going to be in Luke chapter 7 here for a minute, starting with verse 36. This is Jesus. And it says, when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. Now, when you reclined at the table in those days, the table was about knee height, Okay. And so you're literally reclining, you're laying on the ground, leaning up against an elbow, reclining at the table that's now at about your chest height and kind of shoveling food into your face with your other good hand. So he's reclining there at this table, and a woman in that town who had lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. A sinful life means that she was known in that community to be a person of poor behavior, most likely prostitution. She was known in that area of being a disreputable type person. So she had previously had some encounter with Jesus. Her life had been changed. She heard that he was here, and she was overwhelmed, needed to be where this Jesus was. Verse 38, as she stood behind him at his feet, They were kind of laying out behind him as he was at the table. She began to wet his feet with her tears, tears of gratitude. She wiped them with her hair and kissed them and poured perfume on them. Extravagant display of honor right here. Verse 39, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, so he says this in his own head, if this man were a prophet, he would know who was touching him. And what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, like you do when you're God, right? So just in case you were wondering, if you're talking in your head, God will answer you potentially, right? You're not, you're never just alone. So this guy was probably a little bit um, startled when Jesus answers his mental thought. And he says, Simon, I have something to tell you. And Simon's like, "Um, yeah, tell me, teacher. Verse 41, two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and then wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, Her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say amongst themselves, who is this that even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. 
go in peace. So, to really understand forgiveness, do you have to be a prostitute? No. The point that Jesus is making is not that this woman's sins were expansive and this man had none. This man was understand what Jesus was communicating was that this man did not understand his sin. This man did not understand the degree to which he had sinned. This man did not seek out forgiveness because he thought he lived a good life. He was a good church-going guy. He read his Bible sometimes. He dropped some coins in the offering plate. He was a good dude. He wasn't like this other person. When someone offends him, it's different because he's been good. I don't deserve to forgive that kind of an offense because that's a crazy person. I'm a good person. I don't... I shouldn't have to deal with that kind of forgiveness, that kind of betrayal. I'm pretty good. And Jesus is saying, nope, we're all the same. And because you think you have it together, you have not sought forgiveness, and you are not experiencing my love, my grace, my forgiveness. I thought that to, to really grasp this uh, this, this monumental theological idea, what we really needed was a snorkel. And, uh, and I also need a volunteer. So who's willing to put their face in a snorkel? We're pointing at each other. Come on, just make it happen. J- jump up here real quick. Maddie, come on. Come on, Maddie. Give a hand for Maddie. Maddie, I need you to pick up the pace a little bit. There are 200 people waiting on you, Maddie. You have cool green stuff in your hair, and you're about to have this, uh, this snorkel. It's a kid's snorkel, but you're young, right? Do you know how these work? Have you used these before? Maybe. Yeah, have you been in the ocean, Maddie? Yeah. Well, you know what? Just, even if you just have to kind of press it against your... We'll be okay with that. Okay. I want to make sure that this is involved somehow. So, Maddie, um, you know what to do with that, right? There we go. There we go. Go ahead. Just put it in your mouth. You can still breathe, right? <laughs> Take pictures of her. This is, this is a good moment. This is a, this is a good moment. Okay, so put that in your mouth. And the way a snorkel works, right, is that this little device goes in your mouth here, and this little piece is sticking out of the water so that you can put your head in the water as you swim. Now, I thought of this just recently because my cousin was over, and he had taken his girlfriend snorkeling for the first time in her life, and, and she freaked out and could not do it. And she said, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. Now, the reality of it, I don't think he explained it at the time when she was panicking, but not only couldn't she breathe, I can't get air, I think was the words that she used, um, but she also, in this little situation, she can't get air, but she's also not exhaling, right? There's two things that go on when we breathe. And when you're drowning, it's not a good time for uh, that kind of a lesson, but the reality is we are exhaling and we are inhaling oxygen all the time. And this is, both of these things are happening through this snorkel as we're swimming. So they were unsuccessful, but most of you have snorkeled and know how this deal works. So, Maddie, now if, if you are snorkeling, yeah, go ahead, keep snorkeling. And, and I put my thumb on, on the hole here, what happens? You can't breathe. Right, you can't breathe, and it gets scary, and you panic, and you jump up, right? But you're only in, like, three feet of water, so it's okay. <laughs> but when you're, when you're underwater and you can't breathe through your nose, you depend on this tube. Can you, can you visualize how that would happen? Yeah. Are you guys with me? 
So through this one tube, when Maddie is swimming in the water, she is getting her oxygen and she is exhaling at the same time, breathing in and out. This is her source. Are we with me? All right. Thank you, Maddie. Can we clap for Maddie? Maddie, you did great. And Stacy Williams, you might want to wash this before you give it to your kids. I'm just saying. I don't know anything about Maddie. I'm not saying anything, Maddie. I'm just saying before your kids put that in their mouth. For whatever reason, when God says, forgive each other's debts and offenses so that I will forgive you. He is not saying, I am a mean God who withholds my love and forgiveness. He is not saying that. He is saying that some kind of mysterious God way, it comes from the same pipe. That we receive his love and forgiveness from the same place, through the same rhythmic channel and flow as we extend it to others. It comes from the same place. And literally, if we cap this thing, if we were to duct tape this or if it stopped working, we couldn't receive, and so we couldn't give. It goes both ways. And when we choose, because forgiveness is a choice, when we choose to hold on to that bitterness and that anger and that resentment, we are choosing to, to plug the source, and it can't get through either direction. And God says, will you let it go? Will you let it go today? Because I want to show you my radical love. I want to show you that no matter what you have done, no matter what you have become, no matter what you, life you live, that you are forgiven. That there is plenty of grace for you. Now extend that grace. Extend that grace to those who need it. Will you let it go? When you forgive, you release another person from the offense. You free yourself from a prison of bitterness and resentment that is mentally, spiritually, and also physically toxic. You close the door on the sting of the pain when you let it go, and you open the door to God being able to work in you and through you once again. In light of God's bigger story, in, in light of all that God has forgiven you of and all that he will continue to forgive you of, let's be people who just forgive, who don't hold others' offenses against them. Even the deep, painful hurt, we can trust that we serve a God who is working all things for the good of those who are calling, called according to his name who believe in him, that he is working all things for the good. That even in my situation, even in Gerardo's situation, if we hadn't been through what we had gone through, if I, if I hadn't been through what I, would have gone, what I went through, I wouldn't have moved up to Washington. I wouldn't have experienced new freedom from all the pressure that I put on myself to perform and to be this perfect thing. All that got shattered in my life, and I had a new sense of freedom to just figure out who I was, just to be me. Bonus, I met Hillary, who is my beautiful wife now. That worked out nicely. <laughs> and as a result of this whole journey, I'm here with you today. God works all things together for good for you, for me. We can be people 
who let it go. So I ask you this question today. Who do you need to release from offense? Who do you need to release? If you're willing, just write it on that. Write it on your outline. Is it another person who's hurt you deeply? Is it a person who offends you, annoys you regularly on a daily basis and it's robbing your peace on a daily basis? Do you need to let that go? Do you need to forgive yourself for pain that you have caused? Do you need to forgive God in a weird way because in your mind he has allowed this to happen? Or have you... Are you feeling convicted this morning that you have deeply wounded something else and that your next step for today is to go ask their forgiveness? Who is it? What is your next step? Will you trust this morning that even in the midst of pain, even in the midst of deep hurt, that you serve a God who is working for your good? God, Thank you for your generous love and forgiveness. Thank you that you extend it so liberally to us. I pray, God, that you would bring healing this morning. I pray that you would bring freedom to hearts and souls this morning. I pray that you would give us the courage to respond and to let go of the bitterness and the resentment that has held so many of us captive. I know, God, that in this moment there are people here that have been through great pain and that this is, not a this is not an easy thing. I pray that you would give them strength. I pray that you will show yourself faithful, that you would open up the channel for them to experience just your crazy love for them, for each of us, and that we can be people who extend that love generously. In Jesus' name.